0: Welcome to Dr. Michelle's Wild Warrior Podcast, the official podcast for all things body, brain, and soul. Dr. Michelle is a naturopathic physician, licensed acupuncturist, martial artist, yoga teacher, and aims to model optimal
1: health. And now, here's Dr. Michelle. Well, welcome everybody uh, to Dr. Michelle's Wild Warrior podcast and today I have a special guest and colleague and friend with me, uh, Dr. Josh Phillips. We uh, went to school together for a handful of years and his lovely wife and I were... Um, Medicinary people in the Chinese medicine department, and so uh, today I'm excited to hear Dr. Philip's story about his practice and how he came to be this awesome practitioner. That I get to call my friend and colleague, so welcome, yeah, Josh, Dr. Phillips.
0: <laughs> thank you, Dr. Josh.
1: What do you prefer to,
0: to be sure. called? It's all good. <laughs> all it, of those. Things. Yep, I'm happy with any way, any way that it works. Awesome, fine.
1: great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome today, and um, just give us a little backstory. You know, how you found naturopathic medicine, or how it found you, because that yeah. seems to be the case sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, again, thanks for having me. I of appreciate, course. appreciate the opportunity to sit and talk with you, and it's an honor. And who knows what might happen? Maybe there'll be some. Gems that come out of this that inspire your your uh, listening group here. Certainly, uh, yeah. Um, well, you know, my story about naturopathic medicine is not necessarily you know, one of these uh, really elegant or beautiful stories that you often hear about a personal health crisis that, you know, brought somebody to natural medicine or, or that of a family member. Um, I think I was drawn to it basically from kind of an ideological place or a, a value system place of a, a general feeling of um, uh, that there was something that wasn't quite right with the way the uh, world was being met with with what's generally described as healthcare, and as as we've talked about a lot as naturopathic physicians, you know the general model is one of disease care. It's one of symptom management, and it's one that um, is not deeply seated in any real philosophy or ideology, but is more about uh, dealing with the end result of of uh, health processes or disease processes. And so I was drawn to the philosophy of natural medicine. uh, And my mom actually showed me uh, a few years back something that I had written... When I was, you know, like six or seven years old in some Mm -hmm. journal or diary that listed the things I wanted to be when I grew up. (laughs) And apparently at the time I had written a doctor (laughs) Uh, and not something that I carried with me into adulthood or really even remember uh, having had that thought as a kid, but apparently it's in there. Um, And um, so, again, I think I was drawn to it from a, a value and ideology standpoint of Knowing that there was something better, something more meaningful and rich in terms of the way that physicians and healers approach the human condition, mm-hmm. in terms of health issues, in terms of illness, um, I did do a, a EMT training years ago, um, sort of between in the middle of college. I did a, a and sort of started to walk a little bit in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked on a fire crew for a number of years in Lake Tahoe and. Was there a crew medic, um, uh, so there was I guess the first glimmer of interest in medicine sure. in that way.
1: Mm-hmm. So. so would you say that during? Um, thank you for that. Um, you know explanation of how you found your way here, uh, and as journeys go, they shift and change, and you know surprise us along the way always, right? But yeah. would you say that your experience in school, which we both know was you know in it was challenging and long and probably more than any of us expected when we stepped foot in there, would you say that it kind of helped you fulfill those goals of, you know, studying something different and the ideology of natural medicine? Oh,
0: definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I I think certainly at the time that we were in school, there was a number of physicians, and I think and hope there still are, that really embodied that, I guess what we refer to as nature cure or... Mm -hmm sort of original philosophy of natural and naturopathic medicine um, and so yeah there's some mentors that I, I think did a great job of really embodying and teaching those really basic principles mm-hmm. of supporting the body's ability to heal itself and yeah, figuring out what the obstacles to cure are and what's going on in someone's body that's preventing its own self-healing capacity and some of these basic principles. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, as it goes in a program like uh, the Naturopathic University, um, the the other things that showed themselves to me and the, that weren't part of the core curriculum, mm-hmm. but the workshops and the, the uh, internships and the preceptorships, uh, of course, were very rich with, um, uh, I'd say taking it even deeper mm-hmm. than what the core of the curriculum was offering. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I felt really good about the training we got.
1: That's great. Yeah. And th- so what about like afterward, you know, jumping right into practice or how did that go for you? Did you just hang a shingle and you were a Dr. Josh and boom, it was open or what What did that look like?
0: I mean, for the most part, that's really mm-hmm. the case. It's, it's, it's kind of works for my temperament and... Uh, you know, sort of my, I guess you'd say self-starter or, uh, yeah, I was ready to jump right in and, uh, moved from Portland to Bend mm-hmm. and started a small clinic and, uh, with my wife, Chelsea, who's an acupuncturist. So she and I have always been co-owners of the, the clinics that we've, uh, created,
1: yes. Um,
0: so, um, yeah, that's basically how it got going was uh, just jumping right in mm-hmm. and starting a practice that was very much family oriented, family medicine and pediatric oriented.
1: Great. And uh, yeah, very good for our community and people rave about you guys. So that's oh, awesome. Thanks. Yeah, and I refer people to y'all too. Um, so tell me how that philosophy you know that we all hold so so dear. Um, how does that perfuse your practice now i mean what does that look like and mm. how has it morphed over the year because you've been in practice for what
0: since 03. Yeah, 03. Yeah. Okay. oh three yeah we're at 12 mm-hmm. or sorry uh, yes. 17, 17 18 right. years mm-hmm. uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah um well you know i'd like to think that i've held true to these core principles of naturopathic medicine all the way through and in that there have been you know as there are so many different modalities and approaches and techniques that we can use uh naturopaths of course as you know we have such a broad scope of practice and now more than ever with having full prescribing rights and leaning into conventional lab testing and All of the more conventional doctorly things that are going on uh, that it's it's very easy to get drawn into different areas and as you know that you know naturopaths are all over the board Uh, some treating people in a very conventional way and others you know maybe just doing herbal medicine so my practice has been pretty eclectic over the years um, I went through a number of years where I was really engaged with treating chronic Lyme and mm-hmm. chronic infections and autoimmunity and did a lot of IV therapy and infusion type therapies at that time and leaned more into conventional prescribing as a integrative approach to those complex kind of conditions. Sure. Um, so that was a pretty intense few years actually and I, I honestly think I, it frazzled me to some extent. Um, a a population of folks with very deep-seated health concerns and people struggling pretty intensely. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and folks in many ways was very gratifying to help with. And I should say in all fairness, I'm still working with some of those folks, but it's not the core of my practice the way it was during that time. Um, and you know, herbal medicine and homeopathy has always been a big part of what I, what I offer. And, um, uh, Obviously, you know, always talking with folks about their diet and digestive system health and the the basics, basically, mm-hmm. of naturopathic care. Um, and, you know, and as you know, our practice has grown into a group practice, and my days a week of seeing patients has gone down uh, up over the years, and I've, you know, I'm wearing the hat of clinic owner, <laughs> clinic manager, uh, as much as I'm actually seeing patients now. Um uh, but the patient part of it now is almost uh, it's like a relief for me mm-hmm. uh, the time that I can just step into the treatment room and work with patients. I I think I uh, appreciate that more than I was for a number of years sure um, so uh, yeah, and it's changed in the sense that some of the treatments that I'm offering have changed. For example, we're now offering hyperbaric oxygen therapy oh, at cool. our clinic. No, you're doing that. And we, yeah, for the last about two years ago, we bought a chamber and, and are offering that. And so that's kind of a new and exciting uh, offering at our at our practice. And that has kind of leaned me into the world of working with people with uh, various types of neurological trauma, right? Um, and folks with you know uh, auto accident injuries and traumatic brain injuries. Uh, post uh, concussion, post concussion syndrome. That uh, it, I wasn't necessarily inviting the, that group yeah. into the practice prior to that, and I've been really amazed with the, what the hyperbaric oxygen, oxygen therapy is offering for folks with neurological injuries. Um, so, so that's been cool, yeah, and, and a new thing that we're that we're doing at Hawthorne. Um, and along with that, like I was mentioning before uh, I, we started the, the, the interview here, um, there's sort of a depth of what I feel like I've always worked with with patients that uh, is, uh, it, I guess, falls into the category of strictly mind-body-spiritual medicine, um, falls into the category of uh, knowing that... Um, how we're doing in our lives mentally and emotionally how we're doing in our lives in terms of our levels of joy and our levels of being inspired in the areas of whatever creativity might mean for us as individuals Mm -hmm. ultimately impacts our physiology and that's an area of medicine that I've always been excited about and uh Sort of find myself doing this dance of, you know, putting on the hat which is the science guy who can talk research and statistics and meeting people at that level, which is a pretty big level of American Euro American culture. For the, sure, the things need to be proven in that way for it to be true. Um, so that hat I'm very good at wearing, and and then I again again and again over the years I find myself. Uh, being reminded of, I would say, deeper levels of who we are as people and deeper levels of the human condition, which in a lot of ways... And not to say that there's not great research about this, because there is, Mm -hmm. but in some ways defies the methodology of scientific rigor that we feel is so important to prove something true. Mm -hmm. And I say that in the sense that I think the majority of people, regardless of their walkings in life politically or economically or socially there's things that people would just all look at you and say, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. I know it's true. Mm -hmm. It's intuitively true. I've seen it true in my own life and friends' and family's lives. And I don't need any research study to, to uh, verify that for me. So there's that layer of things that I seem to keep stumbling into in my practice uh, and and patients remind me of. And it's really exciting, this, uh, uh, I'm monologuing here. Uh,
1: That's perfect, But <laughs> uh, the
0: point. <laughs> the, uh, the story that I was sharing with you before I, I, I walked in, uh, before we got started, um, is really touching to me and it it draws on my uh long-term uh lifelong uh passion as a musician and being involved uh playing music solo and with bands for most of my life and uh sort of flirting with different layers of bringing that into my practice over the years in the ter- in terms of lectures that I've given or papers that I've written, uh, in terms of how creativity and inspiration is such a big part of human health and well-being. For sure. This came up for me recently in a patient visit uh, with a gentleman who has pretty advanced disease and he's an elderly man. Uh, and in, and I'm doing some IV therapy with him, and some other treatments, and uh, and something keeps coming up in these visits. We have this in common. We have that in common. And and as it happens with patient visits, you, you have those patients where something drops in mm-hmm. and you realize that there's something happening in a healing way that has nothing to do with the herbs you might prescribe or the, uh, all of the different therapies that we offer. There's something else that happens that's hard to describe, but patients know yes. when it happens with their Providers and most doctors, if they're paying attention, know when that happens as well. So, this happened with this gentleman uh, where there was almost, it was almost like he uh, kept seeing something in me and was asking me questions about it uh, and I wasn't quite getting it or paying attention and I'm not even sure he knew what he was looking for sure. but it finally came to be that we re- we started talking about music and he just lit up with uh, his the years of his life that he played music and the years of his life that uh, he had uh, uh, played various instruments and been engaged in different ways and for you know whatever reason it was, had put it all down, uh, you know, many years before, um, but that he still had this beloved guitar uh, mm-hmm. sitting in a closet somewhere. And um, so uh, I uh, that immediately sparked a lot of excitement for me. And I launched right into my diatribe about the, the power of music and creativity and the power of uh, feeling inspired mm-hmm. in terms of the healing process in terms of being well. Mm -hmm. And um, so this ultimately culminated in a really lively conversation That ended with me getting out the prescription pad and writing a formal prescription for this gentleman uh, to get the dusty guitar out of the closet. (laughs) So perfect. And uh, regardless of his skill level or what he could remember, to just commit to pulling it out of its case on a daily basis and spending uh, 20 to 30 minutes trying to tune it or remembering <laughs> chords or strumming a tune it didn't even matter right. and um, so he was excited about this and his wife was excited and uh, um, today I saw them right before I came over here and uh it, it, it was just uncanny uh, what happened in the last two weeks since I saw them. First of all, his wife was uh, extraordinarily excited about how much more pleasant he <laughs> is to be around. And uh, without sharing too much, too many details, the course of treatment that he's on is quite intense with with uh, other care providers in town. And it it, it has basically plateaued apparently mm-hmm. over the months. And um, something shifted uh, in his treatment where he's being told by other doctors that something is working very wow. well and something has changed in uh, in his health in the last couple weeks. And uh, this fellow was so excited <laughs> that he brought the guitar in with him, <laughs> pulled it so out great. of the case, wanted me to check it out, it was really curious about what I thought of the guitar, which I happily picked up and uh, tuned and strung some chords uh, with him in the room, and uh, it, it was just another um, uh, another piece of evidence, if you will, of, of the power of feeling inspired. I guess mm-hmm. you could break it down to the, that simple language, the power of um, uh, creativity, mm-hmm. uh, of you know, maybe very simply, having something like that to be excited about. Sure. But maybe even deeper, the power of music mm-hmm. in in and of itself, and the power of rhythm, and harmony, and melody, and uh, what happens. You know, this is an ancient relationship that humans have had with sound and, and music, and uh, it uh, it's. It's, it's surprising in one sense, but not so surprising what an impact that this can have on somebody's life. And, uh, uh, it, and again, you know, you could say that, well, it, it, it maybe most simply is just something, a new project or a, or a new activity to be excited about um, on a deeper level. Uh, I think that stepping into that realm of there's sort of an edge of creativity, mm-hmm. and when we lean into that, um, there's an excitement that comes up that I'm pretty convinced corresponds to a full change in physiology as well. Mm-hmm. That there's a uh, we become uh, enlivened by uh, another layer of neurotransmitter activity and neurological activity that just has to inform every aspect of who we are on a biochemical level mm-hmm. um, not to mention on an emotional and mental level and um, so I'll be r- very curious to keep track of this <laughs> yeah. this fellow and see what what happens from this point forward mm-hmm. um, but I share all of that because for me personally it's a reminder about this, this aspect of being in a healing practice mm-hmm. and being in a relationship with patients where I'm offering them you know, hundreds of different recommendations for a hundred different reasons all throughout the week. And to sort of circle back to this, this element of life as a human being that evidently has the potential to make a real change mm-hmm. in somebody's life. And it has nothing to do with um, what's conventionally considered, you know, real medicine right. or, 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 thing, or interventions that are going to make a, a meaningful difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of exciting stuff.
1: That's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I think what I was kind of distilling out of that is just you, you reinvigorated this sense of purpose for him. You know, this yeah. that includes the creativity, includes the music that does its own yeah. you know, resonating in harmony with his life and um but it's like you found this place in him that had been dormant. Yeah. and that he had let go dormant for some reason, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um but obviously was something that he really was almost pulling out of you to to invite mm-hmm. back in, right? Yeah. I mean, that's I what you felt, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think so much. Uh, you probably remember. Um, well, obviously, you remember Dr. Sandberg Lewis, one of our professors, yeah. mm-hmm. and I remember a conversation that he had with us. And I think we were discussing ethics and just, you know, the situations with um, practicing in our future. This was in school, and um, at that time, I think he was he had his little practice on Orcas Island,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or was referencing that or something, and um, he was talking about just. The fact that you're going to, you know, we practice in a small town, a smaller town, and that you're going to see patients out and about. And there's this, you know, connection because as mainstream doctors, you know, in our scientific side of our our. Um, learning and ethics and all that, it was so much about, like, maintain this distance, mm-hmm. pretend that you don't know somebody because mm-hmm. of HIPAA and all mm-hmm. of those things, which are important. Yeah. But I have found also, like you, that the relationship piece, um, that connection that we establish with our patients is probably the most valuable thing. Like you said, it doesn't matter what herbs, you know. And also, when we establish that relationship and that rapport, rapport and that connection, uh, the trust and the you know inspiration that happens as a as a collective between people, um, you know, it empowers us to be our best self as a practitioner as well, and in, and informs those decisions we make or recommendations we make about you know writing a prescription for a guitar yeah. or you know whatever it might be, some adrenal support or ordering some labs. I think that when we allow that relationship to really um, come to fruition, then we we are our best practitioner as well. And that's really important for our patients. Yeah. So how do you keep that like um, intuitive and spiritual place in yourself alive, you Mm. know, Mm. aside from in practice or in both? I don't know. Yeah. What does that look like?
0: Yeah, it's a a good question. It's it's, um, a practice. Mm. It's a daily practice and some days and weeks, it flows better than others. (laughs) Um, But there are elements that um, I have found are very important. Uh, One is being in nature. Mm. And for who I am in my constitution, it's uh, it's kind of non-negotiable that I have time in nature and exercise. Mm. Um, And I'm one that has always felt that rigorous exercise is while of course important for my body and physical health is most important for my emotional and and mental well-being um I've never been in a gym. Uh, I, I, can't do that kind of workout for me. It always is outdoors, whatever the season is, mm-hmm. um, to be out in nature at least several times a week. Um, no matter how short it is, if, even if I only have 20 minutes, right. Um, that can be enough actually. Uh, but, um, that connection with, with nature, uh, seems to be one of the most important things. And, uh, you know, and I'm one of these characters that is, there's a lot of energy going on up here <laughs> most of the time. And the challenge in life becomes um, how to make that connection all the way through who I am and really connect uh, what's above to the earth and uh, to keep that energy moving through my heart and through my solar plexus and my root and, uh, and, There's something about um, uh, again, I'll just call it Euro-American culture and thinking and uh, uh, general priorities, uh, whether those be social or economic or uh, uh, other other priorities in life, the energy. Is very much up here and uh, back to what I was saying earlier we're very much a culture that is frankly obsessed with knowledge and Mm. information uh, like never before Mm. Uh, and that keeps us as a culture very much here and wanting to prove things uh, based on knowledge and data and and science where there's a great deal of limitation there in terms of the totality of what the human experience is meant to be, in my opinion. Not to mention, I think it goes hand in hand with so much anxiety and so much depression uh, that we've never seen before in the human race. Um, And so, again, for me, and and I am a perfect example of that (laughs) and can get absolutely spun out by everything that's going on in the world now and everything that's going on internally. So uh, back to your question, now more than ever, I Mm. find that... uh, uh, knowing the answer to the question you asked is crucial for my well-being and my ability to show up in a meaningful way in the world Mm -hmm. that uh, to keep the energy moving through my whole body and to keep myself feeling grounded to the earth in some way Mm -hmm. um, and to understand that when that energy is all above my shoulders Mm -hmm. that I'm not in a healthy way, I'm not in a good way um, and that I at least need to include my heart into the program. (laughs) <laughs> if not uh, it, it, the entire the entire system sure. um, so again exercise is primary for me nature and for me music mm-hmm. and to be regular with my creative pursuits and to pick up my guitar and follow my own prescriptive <laughs> advice yeah. on a regular basis yeah. and uh, to be regular with music is, is hugely important and of course like you I have a family and I have kids and um, uh, the connection with them is so crucial mm-hmm. uh, and probably primary. That's probably the really the seat of my life, and which uh, does sort of force some semblance of grounding of course. Um, in, in a in a in a way. Um, and and as you know, that's a very moving and uh, changing dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, but
1: thankfully,
0: th- thankfully, <laughs> right. yeah. So attending to the artfulness of of those relationships with my kids and with my wife and, uh, and finding the, the balance. I mean, so in comes the concept of balance, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, all helps to nourish um, uh, my sense of uh, inspiredness and to keep my intuition clean mm-hmm. and, and, and to keep me uh, feeling somewhat sane at least some of
1: the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. It varies from day to day, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, thank you for sharing all that. Mm. I think that's so poignant mm. and um I would say it becomes contagious too. I mm. mean, that's one of the things that uh a couple of my, you know, spiritual teachers over the years have talked about mm. because it's super easy to get overwhelmed and like, well, what am I doing to make a difference? I'm just mm. one person and mm. Um, even in, even though we both have, you know, successful practices, quote-unquote, and um, all of that, I think knowing that I'm doing the work and you're doing the work on yourself that literally radiates out to our community, whether mm. that's affecting one other person who sees you on the trail or, mm. you know, another person who hears you, you're playing music and, mm. um, or just hears this interview and knows mm. that this is the kind of thing that you're doing for yourself because... Um, as naturopaths, right? I mean, docere is one of our biggest things. Like, we are the ones to teach, and, and by doing, then we teach, right? It's you can't just, it doesn't work well with my kids when I'm like, do what I say. <laughs> like, and then they yeah. see me, you know, doing the complete opposite. We all know that modeling behavior mm-hmm. and, and living that behavior is truly the gift to other people to feel real in, inspiration. Mm-hmm. So, I'm glad that you're. Uh, doing the self-care you know things that help you stay inspired um so i do i do want to talk i know we kind of talked about not touching on covid (laughs) but i kind of do only because i want to bring in this spiritual component that we've kind of been touching on today and this connectedness component uh and and not to you know throw a wrench in in our conversation here but i i just because of what we've seen socially having to happen or being forced um, to happen. You know, what is your thought on how this heals? Like, how do we heal our culture? I know that's a huge question, but where do we go from here and bringing people back together where they can feel like they can hug each other again and have this connection again and kids can be on the playground? And and I don't I don't think we need to go into like, how do we do that safely? It's just, you know, how do we heal this major trauma that we've all been hit with where we have forgotten how it is to be human again.
0: Yeah. Gosh, it's such a big question. And, um, and in consideration of everything that's happening for me personally, like I think it is for so many people, it's really the the deepest heartbreak is seeing how deeply this is already in the collective psyche Mm. that, um, people are dangerous Mm. that we are vectors of disease that we need to stay away from one another in order to be healthy is something that um i feel so bad for all of the parents whose kids are in the five to nine ten eleven year old range this very psychically impressionable age um where they don't have the reason and rationale to sort through the pros and cons, the truth or half-truths that are in this whole dilemma. Um, I mean, we, that's even difficult for adults right now. <laughs> well, not to, mention, children, not to mention know? that, right. Mm-hmm. I think we have created a generation of, of kids uh, who are, it'll be very interesting to see how their sensibilities develop and grow mm-hmm. over the next 10 years. Um, given what has been so strongly hammered into our minds. Um, and it's a dilemma uh, because, as you know, I stay up on the, uh, the information coming down the line from OHSU and of Oregon Public Health. And uh, in fact, I'm skipping their uh, twice monthly update right now to be here. Thank, oh, thank, thank you. <laughs> you very much for distracting me from that. Um and it's a lot, catch up on it. It's for a, sure. it's a, it's, a, it's really amazing to listen um, to them bring the data forward and. And to see that these are very highly educated and very well-meaning people that really believe that this is the one and only way to get through uh, the situation with the COVID virus and and the infections related to it. Um, There is generally not the conscientiousness around we are part of nature, we are part of a, a... indescribably vast ecosystem of microbes, of viruses and bacteria and parasites that are as much a part of our health and well-being. They've supported our adaptability and resilience as humans on the planet over the millennia and eons. That basic level of thinking does not exist in the conversation, in the epidemiological conversation of what's happening right now. Um, that's very unfortunate. I think that that would change the narrative, that would change the thinking a little bit. Because that's not there in any way, there doesn't exist the thinking of the greater relationship with the natural world. It is uh, hyper-focused on one virus and the recommendations being at the expense of that broader, important Mm -hmm. microbial relationship that we have on so many levels. And again, these very well-meaning, highly educated people are convinced that the only thing to do is to stay away from each other. Mm-hmm. How do we heal from that? How do we uh, extract ourselves from that? And I, I wish I knew the answer. I, I I think it's also hugely underestimated and underappreciated and spoken about on a larger public health level just how desperately important it is for humans to be in close relationship with each other. And I've gone through this in my mind internally so many times where I've hit this wall where I feel like it's actually the only reason I care to be in a human body on this planet. So true. Is to be in relationship with people. Is to be close to people is to shake hands and give hugs to new acquaintances and friends Mm -hmm. Um, not to mention again back to the mind body piece what that does for us physiologically There's a whole study of psychoneuroimmunology that describes how the immune system is enlivened and vitalized and invigorated by so many layers of our emotional state. Mm -hmm. And when people are scared of each other and convinced that the only way to be healthy is to be away from each other, that sends a really damning message to our nervous systems and to our endocrine systems. It's just heartbreaking to describe. Mm -hmm. It's heartbreaking to think about the the depth of the impact that this is really having on people, um, at least sensitive people like myself. And I think think the majority of people understand some aspect of what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really don't believe that the human race is survivable Mm -hmm. for very long in a climate where we have taken a concept of isolation and quarantine, which has historically only been meant for people who are symptomatic and sick, right. and we've applied it to the entirety of a population, regardless of their age, health, uh, levels of illness, etc. We've taken a concept that was only meant for susceptible populations, right. the elderly and otherwise sick, uh, and people who are in actively infected by that illness of concern and we've applied it to everybody who's healthy and so I really feel we've created more suffering and and more damage to the human condition than the number of people that are affected by this particular virus. Because again, we've accepted over hundreds of years that a certain number of illness and seasonal illness and seasonal viral infections uh, are acceptable. A certain number of deaths with with the flu and other uh, routinely uh, communicable illnesses in communities, we've accepted. That the majority of people will be well and recover, uh, a smaller number will get uh, more seriously ill but mm-hmm. recover, and a very very small number will die. We've accepted that. For we can list a for dozen sure. a dozen different <laughs> viral infections, mm-hmm. and the the stunning thing is how quickly things have shifted with this new novel coronavirus uh, to the extent that apparently we're willing to sacrifice. This again underappreciated aspect of the human condition and, and, and what's important and what's prioritized as important. Um, so again, I'm monologuing all over the place here, perfect. but, but um, how do we recover? Mm-hmm. I think it's too soon to know the answer to that because we're so, at least in the state of Oregon and in other uh, states with governorship that lean in this direction, um, we are really still deeply in the same message, mm-hmm. um, which is the only thing we can do to be healthy is stay away from each other and cover our faces. Um, Where and again, it's another conversation of why? Sure. Aren't, why aren't we also being told to take a vitamin D <laughs> vitamin supplement D. once a day? As yeah. the, if we just did that one, one thing, thing, we don't even have to get complicated. But um, or the general message of why not? Um, you know, as a massive public health message, now more than ever, folks, is the time to deal with your pre-existing condition. That's right. Now more than ever is the time to, to work on that the obesity issue or the hypertension or the uncontrolled diabetes. Now more than ever, because guess what? Uh, we know without a, a shroud of doubt that those are the reasons why people get seriously ill and or die from viral right. infections. So um, I think... I think, Michelle, that it, it just... It, it has to come from within, mm-hmm. from each of us, that we as individuals, as groups of friends, as families, um, know intimately this thing that I'm describing, which is that it's non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um, for the sake of our survival, Yeah, <laughs> I really believe that. I agree with you. That uh, Because I don't think we are going to be able to extract ourselves from the germ theory that it's all about the microbe. I don't think we're gonna and I think that for a lot of people they've finally found their sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness now everyone's wearing a face covering so I'm no longer at risk so that that's alive and well m- m- more than ever and um, and I think that, it is about priorities, and what's the most important thing in a lifetime? Is it avoiding all illness? Mm-hmm. Uh, and or is it an equal, if not higher priority, that the depth of human connection and loving relationship uh, and acquaintanceship even mm-hmm. is maintained and allowed to be and encouraged to be a priority in terms of human health and yeah. and wellness, right? Um, because again, none of these things are separable. You can't separate, as you know, mental and emotional health from physical health, and vice versa. Right. Um, so there's this. We're on this we're on this teetering edge. It feels like to me of. Uh, and I asked myself this question months ago, once the, the the mask wearing becomes mandatory, when will it ever not be again? because we live in a sea of microbes
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we always will. That's right. And it's part of the human condition to move those around through communities. Yeah.
1: I mean, they're a necessary part of our, our well-being, too. It's, it's
0: meant to be that way. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then, you know, this virus and all the others are not going anywhere. Right. They're, they're part of our experience on the planet. They're part of our connection to the natural world. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's a it's a real dilemma of mm-hmm. what it will mean and what will what conditions will change, where even the thinking that is prioritized in the realm of public health leadership uh, will begin to soften that stance, or will begin to feel that it's okay again mm-hmm. uh, to be close to one another. Um, and maybe it just has to do with step, uh, uh, statistics and epidemiological models and for that level of thinking to feel convinced mm-hmm. that the risk of this particular infection is low enough that um, the kids can go back to school mm-hmm. without face covering right. and without, without being in a cubby told or to stay away from each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm repeating myself, but I think that the under lying message the depth of underappreciation of how important that connection is it's just been pushed out the door for now and we we've known we're seeing increased suicides we're seeing increased rates of anxiety and depression mm-hmm. like never before yeah. we're 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 instilling into a new generation of kids a line of thinking that has never existed never. before yeah. and the ramifications of that It's too soon to tell. I Mm -hmm. think the writing is on the wall. Uh, And maybe that just has to get louder and uglier before uh, it becomes an equal part of the conversation uh, alongside the conversation of uh, community transmission uh, Mm -hmm. of microbes. Um, But not an easy answer. Yeah.
1: Um, Let me ask you this as we kind of finish up. Um, That was beautiful, by the way. And this is a deep, dark question. (laughs) Do you have faith in the human spirit?
0: Of course I do. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So isn't that the answer? Maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And in connection to the human spirit, uh, you know, are these these things that I'm describing around the importance of human connection mm-hmm. and how amazing it feels to be embraced by a, a dear friend and. Um, to know what that does in in, in terms of our health and, and well being, right? Um, so it, it is, I think, a s maybe a self selecting or a or a something that will have to work itself out, mm-hmm. uh, as messy as it might be, right? But I do have faith in the human spirit, and I and I think that um, again in the the midst of the priorities that are set in the you know the American or European consciousness I think that we still are overemphasizing certain values and ideals to the extent that spirituality if we want to call it that in terms of the human spirit um, becomes a side conversation mm-hmm. becomes something that oh yeah well that's good for that time in that place and that part of your story But what's really important, you know, as long as that's there's that division that's made, um, I think we'll be in the middle of the kind of suffering that is being experienced right now. And by the way, that connects to the whole planet. Mm -hmm. Um, So to be in touch with the depth of the human spirit and what the human spirit really is connected to and and after in a bigger picture way you're immediately connected not just human to human but you're connected to all of the uh, animal and plant kingdom and the depths of this planet our our mother our our home and when we begin to live in a, a closer resonance or proximity to what the human spirit is really after, uh, we of course begin to behave differently mm-hmm. in terms of our relationship to the planet, in terms of our priorities for how we live our lives and what we purchase at the store and right. what we agree not to purchase, um, the way we move on the planet, and you know, at an individual level, and of course at a corporate and industrial level, you know, that's where real change happens and where real healing begins um so it i think that all does begin at the level of the human heart in a spiritual way in the level of the human spirit um so I can only have hope in the human <laughs> spirit. Good. How else? What else is there? <laughs> you know, if I didn't have that, I think I would have, uh, you know, yeah. taken the one way trip, to jumped the, off the flat earth, a while the, ago. The ocean a long time ago, <laughs> or whatever. Know, right. You know, right. it seems to be the actually the only thing that keeps mm-hmm. me going is mm-hmm. that I, I believe that beneath the noise of all of the noise and noise of knowledge and knowledge and noise and noise of what's true and not true and this political party and the other and the fighting over this and that. I think that there is a common thread Mm -hmm. that everybody's after. Um, And optimistically, maybe we're distilling and finding our way to that as messy and ugly as a lot of it looks right now. I know that's hard to believe.
1: right? Um,
0: But... um, yeah, I'm I'm keeping my my uh my heart open and 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 uh, my mind open that um, that uh, you know really nature is in charge here mm-hmm. and the, and
1: kind of always has been. We kind just, of always we has. We just pretend been. that we are sometimes, but we're an extension of it. We're part of it. So mm-hmm. I think when we resonate with nature, you know, exactly. that is the hope. And and what you just touched on makes me think that. Um, Perhaps we're going to come into an even grander sense of the human spirit Mm. as we get through. And muddle through, as you said, uh, because I do agree. I think there's going to be some, you know, the pendulum when it swings, Mm -hmm. it it always has some turmoil to get from one end to the other. And we've been on one extreme for a while. Mm -hmm. And to uh, shift back directions, I think, is an exciting kind of endeavor Mm -hmm. that has a lot of unknowns, which create fear. And if we can all just stay tethered to the heart and soul and each Mm -hmm. other and, and, like you said, our planet you know, then those things can be graceful, beautiful, um, empowering journeys to something new and better that we didn't even know before. So, um, so thank you for being hopeful because we all need that right now. And yeah. So anything else you want to wrap up on? I think we're close to the end here, but I really value your insight and, you know, your heart and your wisdom
0: it's been great to talk with you about all this good. yeah i really appreciate it it's uh it's inspiring encouraging and encouraging just to have this conversation mm-hmm. and i think there's pieces of this conversation that are meaningful to most people and um and maybe it's as simple as that if mm-hmm. we can talk about the depth and importance of uh the things that we're discussing here and maybe a few other people will start to have the, that conversation as well and uh, question for themselves what the depth of truth and in reality is and what the priorities are mm-hmm. uh, for a life well spent and hopefully a life well spent that will um, inspire many more generations of healing and growth and deepening into what's really important For a life on planet Earth, and uh, maybe returning to some of the ancient truths that, you know, cultures I think knew for so many thousands of years before us. Right. That um, a lot of what we're describing are not new ideas, they're very old ideas and ideas that um, uh, cultures around the globe have known for a long time. Yeah. And I think a lot of what can be called new age or new thinking or uh, forward thinking is really tapping into principles that the human spirit and the human heart has known it's actually encoded into our dna um and uh, from times where we were living in harmony um uh, at least with the planet mm-hmm. if not with each other right. um uh, it, it, with much more consistency than we are now so i think that these are the conversations that might maybe uh steer us in, in into that
1: direction mm. well i'm feeling inspired and hopeful so that's at least affecting me and i'll yeah. try and spread that out yeah to those i care about too so cool awesome well thank you josh so much for your time today. I, I really enjoyed really it really great mm, yeah. and i thanks hope the rest of your me. day is amazing and yeah and we'll catch you soon i'm sure thanks yeah. a lot all right thanks
0: Thank you for listening to Dr. Michelle's Wild Warrior Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on Dr. Michelle, please visit drmichellem.com and follow her on Instagram at fighter.